0: when you are walking with god and you have any kind of doubts and stuff like you got to you got to flesh those lies out of your head you know do you have any doubts about him do you do you feel he's not quite sufficient or do you think he's not always good
1: Welcome to Positively Joy. Are you living life but feel like something's missing? You've come to the right place. I'm your host, Yvette Walker, and here we discover the true meaning of joy and learn that it's not just a feeling, it's faith. Jesus says in the Gospel of John chapter 15 that we can be filled with the only joy that will complete us simply by abiding in the Father's love and doing His will. This season, we will explore finding joy by walking with God in our everyday lives. Stay with us and hear other stories as they too have walked this path of discovery. Trisha K. Campbell always knew that she wanted to adopt. In fact, she told her then boyfriend that before she could accept his proposal of marriage, he had to know about this dream of hers. But it wasn't just a dream. It was the way her life was to unfold, because that's the way God wanted it to. Listen to Tricia as she tells you about how she finds joy in adopting the littlest creatures. Hi, Tricia Campbell. Thank you so much for being on the show today.
0: Thanks for having me, Yvette.
1: I love the, well, the title of your book, Eight Was Enough?, and what you have done i love this because i think you really i think understand what family means in the sight of god and i mm-hmm. love that even on your website you talk about what that what the bible means to you the story of the bible you apply that into your lives and you take us along with that, with you and your family on that journey. And I appreciate that. And so uh, I think there's a lot of people today who might be thinking about adoption and certainly thinking or or, or have special needs children that will get a lot out of your story. And so, um, as I said, the book is Eight Was Enough. You and your husband had three uh, biological children um, after some soul searching, decided to adopt five children with special needs. You have a transracial family, multiracial family. Um, so there's a lot to unpack there. And I thank you for being on the show. And let's let's just find out a little bit about you and your background.
0: Okay. Um, well, I grew up actually in Boston, Massachusetts, the greater Boston area. And um I grew up in, I, I would say it's almost beaver cleaver, like mom's a teacher, dad was a cop, four kids, you know, um the dog, the whole thing. And um when I was studying in uh college, I I was studying uh uh I was actually studying international law but but my my passion went toward like developing countries and that kind of thing and so I ended up actually working on a hunger project in in down in Mexico in Tijuana and um, while I was down there I I would be like we worked the hunger project went into the dumps, the orphanages, the jail wherever people were not fed. And um, I found my heart really tugged when I was in the orphanages. And uh, a lot of times I'd be holding one in one arm, one in another arm and rocking away and, you know, just trying to give as much attention to them as I could, because truly the nuns would just sort of feed them and change them and feed them and change them. And they didn't have time to like stop and give eye contact and tactile attention and that kind of thing. So I just did my best. And it was there that I really felt like, you know, someday I think I'm going to adopt. I really just like, it was just part of me.
1: And how old were you? um,
0: I was 21. Wow. I was just a kiddo. And, um, but then my boyfriend at the time came down to visit me. He was up in Ohio and I was way down in San Diego and he came down to visit me and actually proposed and, I told him I couldn't answer him because there was this really important thing I had to show him. So the poor guy had to wait a couple of days while I took him down to Tijuana, showed him the situation, said, I really think adoption is part of my life someday. And I can't say yes, unless you're on board with it." (laughs) And uh, and he was his heart was similarly pricked and stuff. So it was great. We were on the same page and we got married the next year.
1: Wow, that's a great way to start out a life together, being on
0: the same page, right? Right, right. And almost like, okay, this is kind of a major calling and we're both feeling like the same about it. So that was, that was great.
1: The Positively Joy podcast is a member of the Spark Media Network and can be heard on the Edify app. You know, it's pledge season on some public radio networks. We don't do that here, but we can't exist without your support. Join my friend, SP, in becoming a Patreon monthly giver. You can give as little as $5 and receive some great benefits. Go to PositivelyJoy.com and click support.
0: So anyway, we started our marriage. We had our three biological kids. And then um, all along that way, I had been kind of looking for the truth Period. Like I had grown up um, in a in a house with religion, but I I I just needed. I I was I was totally looking for the truth about all of it. I wanted to understand what was going on. I want to understand God. I want to understand where my place was in it, and all of that. And I I looked down all the wrong paths all along my twenties. I would look down any path I came across. I was, I was like, let's check out Buddhism. Let's check out Hindus. Let's check out New Age. Let's check out Scientology, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I was truly looking for the truth. So God made sure I found it because his word says that they that seek the truth will find it. And it doesn't matter that I didn't know that was in there. That, that yeah. was material. He said, if you are seeking the truth, you will find it. And he made sure I did. And so I ultimately, Dave and I um, had brought our three kids to an Episcopal church near our home because we thought, you know, we have kids, we really should get into church. But I had been raised Catholic and I had kind of left that all in the background. And I was like, well, you grew up Episcopal, let's do that. And we went there, I started going to a Bible study. And So some things started to click, like understanding about the Bible, but I was really a pain in the neck to the Bible teachers, really a pain in the neck because (laughs) (laughs) I had started believing so many different things from all these things I had looked at. I had created my own little patchwork quilt of beliefs. And I was like, yeah, this is cool. And no, I don't like that part. I'll throw that out and I'll take this one in. And I would make my own little belief system, which is completely wrong, um, because that's not the truth. Truth has to be universal and it has to be true for everyone. Right. So anyway, I was in this Bible study and um, I, I started to understand some things, but I wasn't completely on board with everything. And I was like truly Given like the teachers would be like, you know, about like there's, you know, once to die and then the judgment and blah, blah, blah. And I would go, wait a minute, it says Jesus is coming again. Doesn't isn't that reincarnation? <laughs> they were like, No. <laughs> it's not, no, that's not it. But anyway, I I I was um God had to get hold of me by himself, and he did. So um the night I I I got converted. Uh, it was just me, myself and God. And, uh, he gave me this dream and I, I, I woke up and I went downstairs and it was just me and him. And, and he had it out with me and basically I ended up so humbled and so happy. I let like tears ran down my chest. I was so, and I was like, oh my gosh, you're God. I'm not okay. I get it. Right. And so from that, that time forward, we started to really like, like now we're talking, we're walking with God. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But he had to get a hold of me. And so like nowadays, if I hear somebody say, Oh, you know, in these, these um, Sharia law countries and people are locked in and there's not a Christian and within a hundred miles and they're having dreams and they're getting converted. And I go, yeah, he does that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Yeah, he did that with me and I was right here. Um, so yeah, so that that's how we ended up uh walking with God. And it was really kind of cool. And then right after that, right after that, he started making the call into adoption. And it was like one thing after another happened, and he just was like, This is where we're going. And I was like, Oh, I kind of had that in my heart. And I was like, you know what? I realized later, I looked at it in hindsight and I went. God already, like he constructed me a certain way. He used everything I came from and everything um, that was in me already for his purposes. And it was just, it was just really miraculous. It was just really neat. So, wow. Wow.
1: So, but was, was there a time though, when, before you started adoption, you went to the mission fields and you started helping people, helping children in other countries.
0: Is that correct? Yes. Yes hmm. Tell me about that. And that was way before I got converted, which is the coolest thing. You know, like like I said, like, it feels like God. That's like how he built me. And so when I was growing up, um, I had a family uh, with kids of color that I took care of. And I had already been involved that way. And I had already dealt with some racism issues from ignorant people or whatever. But um it was not unusual to me. It wasn't the least bit like, Oh, that's kind of odd. No, it wasn't like that at all. It was like, okay, I'm with you. I hear what you're saying. And um, so when God called us into adoption, he did it through, I had three dreams of the same baby girl over the course of just a couple months. And the baby girl's name was Danielle. We had a son named Daniel. And I thought at the time, that's why her name was Danielle, but it wasn't that. Mm-hmm. but her name was Danielle in all the dreams she was different ages in all the dreams and she was our daughter and she had one arm so after the third dream we went to church that morning I always woke up told Dave I had the dream and I would say I would tell him what happened whatever and then we went to church and the and that morning they were reading from the book of Mark and they said, and Jesus took a child among them and said, he who receives one such child receives me and not just me, but him who sent me. And I just started bawling. Mm-hmm. And Dave's like, "What's wrong. You know, like, I don't know what's wrong. And then like, look at the scripture, Danielle. And then he went, Oh, you know, like he got it. And then, and then we we're off to the races, you know, then, then we were, then we were on. So, and the kids at the time were like six, six, three and a half and one or something like that. The kids that we already had. Um, and then we started the process and when we got our first adoption, the youngest was three and yeah. So our, our older kids, this is their normal, like they like, people will say, oh, did they feel put out? I'm like, no, that's their normal. That's totally how, how it goes. And we always just explain, you know, God has different ways of getting people into families. And this is just happens to be one of them.
1: Mm. So did you, did you set out, was, was having a multiracial family important to you? you? Did you set out to adopt children of different races than you and your husband?
0: I wouldn't say it was a goal so much. It was, um, like part of the calling. So like when, when I felt like we were going to adopt, I was taking care of little Mexican babies at that point. Right. And then I I didn't know, was I going to come to Mexico and get a baby? I don't know. Or what was whatever. And honestly, when we first, we first had the dreams and we talked to a pastor friend about the dreams and stuff. And he said, well, obviously it's a child of color. So it's going to be transracial. She has one arm, special needs. Um, But we couldn't tell was she from Haiti, Nigeria, Uh, somewhere down in Latin America. I don't know where she was from, but she was definitely a black little girl. And so we didn't know. And so we had to really pray through that part for him to bring us to the right space. Um, But they were, all of our kids are local. And people would ask me like, oh, where are they from? You know, I'm like right here (laughs) from Cleveland.
1: Obviously this didn't all happen at once. You know, you, 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 this happened over, over some years. Um, And you, you said, I was built this way, or you know, this this unfolded for, you know, in, yeah. in just this way, and just what was supposed to. Um, but were there any struggles along the way, you know, oh between gosh, yeah. yeah, tell me about tell me about that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are lots of waiting periods when you're adopting, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, doing a home study is no small deal. And um, there were times when you were just like, what's going on? Like, where is she? And, uh, or he, depending on the child. Um, and there were times when I felt like God gave me a little faith lift and I always called them that like, sort of like facelift only faith lift. And, um, he would do something to say, I'm still on it. You're still in a holding pattern here. They're coming, but I'm still on it. And, um, so that happened a lot of times that, that he would just Give me a sign of some sort that like one time, I'll give you an example. One time I was in a doctor's office and I was in a waiting room and we were at that time we were waiting on the baby from the dreams. And. I opened this magazine and there was this baby doll It was by the Ashton Drake company, little porcelain doll, but it was an African-American baby girl. The doll's name was Danielle. She looked just like the babies from the dream. And the funny thing was she was holding one sock in one hand and her other foot was bare. And when we got our daughter, she was like that. She always had one shoe on, one shoe off, one sock on, one sock off forever. I would have people coming up to me in the grocery store, like, is this your shoe? Yes, that's my shoe. Thank you. Um, but, but she, it was just one of those things that I, I just flipping through this magazine, I went, and I, I, I felt kind of bad, but I tore the magazine page out and I slipped into my diaper bag and, um, I showed it to my husband at home I'm this is it because I never shown him a picture. He did, he didn't have the dreams I did, but I knew what she looked like and there she was. And, uh, and that was one of those faith lift things that, that I needed. You know wow. what I'm saying? Just, just I, needed love,
1: it. I love that. I love that faith lift, facelift, facelift. Yeah. That is so, yeah. no, no, I love that. Yeah. Um, wow. Wow. That is just, a, so we, you know, we, We talk about it. We read that guide is faithful and Mm. you you're telling me that you experienced that, right? Mm.
0: Mm -hmm. He was just, um, he like, like there were times, like for instance, at one point we were, we were getting ready to finalize two adoptions at the same time. And we were walking by faith. We had like, we, we were adding an addition on our house because we were running out of space and God gave us the scripture from, um, the Old Testament that says to um, lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs and stretch out the court the the curtains of your tent and we're like we need to add an addition on our house. Well, we didn't know how many kids he was planning. We had no idea, and so we started this addition and we're adopting kids and you know how much kids eat. And you know how their feet grow and you have to buy shoes and shoes and shoes and all that stuff. And so we were finalizing two adoptions. And when you when you go through adoption, you initially put down about a third of the money that, that it costs at the beginning. Then when you have a child placement, you'd put down another third of the cost. And then at the end you, you do the last third at finalization. It's just typical, but that's, that, that was a pattern that we saw regularly and we had two that were finalizing right back to back. So we had um, gone through one of them and, and paid all the things. And then we were like, we were going to the second one, like maybe two weeks later and we were ready to pull out the credit cards. We didn't have it. And we were like, here we go. You know? And so we were, we always made it a big deal when we finalized an adoption and kids were all excited because they knew we were going to, go party at chuck E. cheese or something (laughs) and um (laughs) and so um we got to this adoption finalization and we go through all the process they call the kids up they kind of get to go in the witness box and the the judge will say you know what do you think your little baby brother or what do they say and um you know we went through the whole process gavel comes down finalized they're your child, etc cetera. And, and the social worker was like, well, go have a nice day and whatever. And we're like, don't we need to settle up? And she's like, looking through the file. Mm-hmm. No, it looks like you get things in order. I said, but the the, the final payment? And she goes, no, I, I don't, I don't see anything. Nothing's due here. You know. And I was like, okay, God. Dave, get the kids. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> so we literally we're we out of that courtroom, looking at each other like, what just happened? We know we didn't pay that other, right? And so I, I even told her to double check. She looked, we didn't owe anything. So we went um, we went to this pastor friend of ours and we just said, okay, this is what just happened. And uh, he said, okay, I'm going to show you something in, in, in the Old Testament. It takes us to the story with Elijah. And Elijah's working with these people and this guy had borrowed an ax head and this ax head fell in the water and it was lost. And he said, Oh my, my master, help me, you know, that axe head went in the water and it's borrowed. And Elijah said, Tell me where you tell me where it went in. And he told him, So Elijah threw a reed into the water in the spot where it came to, and the axe head floated to the top. And the pastor told us, he goes, that was a forgiven debt. God just canceled it. Wow, "Wow, the faithfulness of God, you know, because we were just walking in obedience, doing exactly what he called us to. And then he just did that. I didn't even think to pray that, Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it didn't occur to me to pray that. Could I have a forgiven debt, please? It didn't occur to me.
1: Okay, so I was going to ask you this question, and you might have, have already just given the answer, because that's amazing but I was going to ask you to describe a time when you were overwhelmed by the love of God. That seems to be the answer there, but maybe you have other examples.
0: I Oh my goodness. Yeah. A lot of examples, but I can tell you one time it was really, really awful, hard time. Okay. And I was crying. I was, I was mowing the lawn and I was having a good ball because I was having a hard time. And, um, I kind of yelled up into the air, you know, Satan, you're in big trouble because my father hates it when you make me cry. And right then it was like, <sighs> like I was enveloped with a warm blanket. Like, uh, I was like, I gotcha. I gotcha. It's okay. It's going to be okay. And um, in that situation, we had just been, we had been trying for eight months to extract a child from children's services that they insisted they were going to put her in long-term foster care. And I was like, we're willing to take her. Why are you making this long-term foster care business when she, so anyway, they they finally, they just said, you know, no, we're not. And I, I, I knew that I knew that I knew God said, she's your daughter. And so I was really struggling. And that's when I yelled at, yelled at this guy. And um, anyway, uh, a month later, they called us back and she came home. Wow. Yeah. So, so that, I, that I is good.
1: He, yes, exactly. Now, I know yeah. you did not set out to have a necessarily a multiracial family or whatever, but mm-hmm. but all your children, all your adopted children are special needs. And yes. that is, and so that is another, I mean, you know, I know that you are not expecting, you know, me to laud you, but I but you are awesome for that because that is such a huge thing to take. But were you looking to help special needs children, or did they just come to you as God saw fit?
0: It was they came to us as God saw fit. However, we assumed from the one arm thing that there may be that. And so when you go through a, a home study, they will list a myriad of possible birth circumstances that can occur. And they will, they will ask you, are you willing to take this? Are you willing to consider this? Or would you, there's no way. Right. So you go through like all these things. And we were very, very open. Mm -hmm. Like we, we, because we felt that God was going to give us what, what he could handle, not us. Like, you know the scripture that says that God will never give you more than you can handle. I I don't believe that. Is one. that is that scripture though? Is that that scripture? isn't scripture? That's a lie. That one's taken out of context, and all kinds of people do that. They take that one out of context. It's mm-hmm. really when you are tempted, He won't give you any more than you can handle when you are tempted. Mm-hmm. But that I came to the conclusion like that was a lie. He won't give me any more than he can handle. And that's that. Right. So when we went through the only thing that we did do, I had a kind of a crummy back. Mm-hmm. And the only thing we really said, you know, we were like blind. OK, deaf. OK. But but it said, you know, like orthopedic issues. And I wrote, I can't lift a child into the car, into the car seat or whatever after like five That, that was, that was the bottom line. Dave's back wasn't great either. So we were just like, orthopedically speaking, we felt that it was only fair to say, we're not going to be lifting, you know, school-aged children into and out of wheelchairs and that kind of thing. And so that was the only thing that we really were pretty specific about. Mm
1: -hmm. So Um, you've, you've made it really clear that, the Lord showed you this, this vision, this dream, um, you know, he built you for this, but there mm-hmm. are a lot of people out there. I think who are thinking, should I do this? I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Am I equipped to take on not only adoption, but special needs adoption. Um, so if you could speak to someone who might be listening, uh, who was thinking about it or who feels like they might be led that way, what would you say to them?
0: First, I would say really throw out, like throw out a fleece or two and check if you're called to it. If you're called to it, if if he has given you a vision for something, he's going to give the provision for it. OK, whatever that provision involves, whether it's financial, like in the, that adoption or whatever, or if it's that you need to 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 be wise about something or you have to learn a new skill, whether you're going to be learning to read Braille, who knows. Right. He's going to be able to equip you himself. So being equipped, I wasn't equipped. He, he equipped me. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's how it goes. And when you're a special needs mom, you kind of become a bit of a lifelong learner. You know that you need to learn these things to help your child. For instance, one of my kids um, was developmentally handicapped. Her IQ was in the sixties and she wanted to take violin, but I knew we weren't going to learn to read music. It was not going to happen. I mean, reading period was hard, let alone squiggles and dots and all that stuff. So I found a Suzuki teacher that teaches by ear and I was learning to play violin because the only way you can really learn any instrument is by practicing. And she wasn't going to remember after the day of the thing. And so I was going to have to be able to show her again and again and again that week. So I was learning violin. (laughs) But it just depends on on what comes down, right? And then isn't it true of every parent though? You don't know what your child is. And I I always say that children are books to be read, not to be written. Kids are not blank slates that you're gonna turn into a brain surgeon or whatever you think, right? They, they, they are who they are. They're designed how God designed them. And, and some of them are a little bit broken because of how they got broken. You know, I, I couldn't help the birth circumstance that they were in. Like some of our kids were exposed to drugs in utero or or a couple of them were born with syphilis and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I couldn't change that, but but I could help them learn to cope with these things. I could help them find a way around these things, whatever it was that they were struggling with, and um, we learn together. So I'd say first off, number one, please, please, please just check if you're called to it. And if you're called to it and God gives a vision to it, you, he's going to give the provision as well.
1: Mm, Beautiful, beautiful. So this whole season, we are talking about walking with God every day, like being open, looking for the opportunity for him to come Mm -hmm. in and say some things. So, I mean, this that's your whole life, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it is that, it is that. And yeah, definitely, definitely. It's just one of those things, like some days I honestly like the day we got our eighth child morning at the Campbell's it was chaos at the Campbell's per usual it, it was you know getting seven kids dressed for school seven kids fed brushed teeth uh, backpacks packed lunches made all this stuff and everybody out the door by seven fifteen, right and um I, I get a phone call now as a mom of special needs kids you don't know this if you don't have special needs kids, but before school starts, the teachers call you. And I assumed it was going to be about one of them. I was like, okay, who's in trouble now? You know. As soon as that phone rang on the wall, I was like, I have no doubt in my mind, I'm getting some teachers like, okay, we need to talk before school starts. And it wasn't a teacher. It was a social worker. And the social worker said, your daughter has a baby brother at Metro in the nursery. And we need you to get him out of there today. Can you do that? He was four days old and they needed to, they needed to get placement for him. And he, uh, yeah, we got, by nightfall we had an eighth child. Tell me you can't walk like, like, all right. We're just like, God, take me here, right? The other thing that happened, and that was October. In September, our our youngest child went to kindergarten. We thought, seven's a good number. It's a godly number, in fact. We're probably done with this whole baby thing. And I gave all the baby stuff to a teen crisis pregnancy center. I didn't have a crib, I didn't have a stroller, I didn't have a car seat, I didn't have, I it was all gone. And um, I picked up this little guy, with a car seat that had tag attached and the box was in my trunk. And, um, the next day, everything we needed walked in the door. Word had gotten out to our church that the camels got another baby and they don't have anything, uh, cause have given it all away. And, and that's how we roll anyway. And, uh, and so, it just all walked in the door, you know, high chair, playpen, changing table, crib, stroller, you name it, it all walked in the door. It was really kind of cool. It was really miraculous. But those were the kind of days that you'd have that just you walking with God every single step.
1: Is there something about us, about you, that makes you open? to him talking to you or him, or him intervening. I guess, I guess this season is talking about being available and being, and being mm-hmm. open to the opportunity to let him intervene. Is there something about you? How can the rest of us be like you?
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I don't think there's anything unique there. Um, I, I definitely think because of my conversion, the way I was, at, my conversion story was pretty tight, you know, like, he had me just without a doubt. I knew that I was hearing from him and I knew that, that I had finally found the truth and you know, that, that kind of thing. Like if when you are walking with God and you have any kind of doubts and stuff, like, you got to, you got to flesh those lies out of your head. You know, do you have any doubts about him? Do you, do you feel he's not quite sufficient or do you think he's not always good? Or do you think, you know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. are there lies you believe about him? Root those babies out that that is going to impact your ability to receive and to, to hear. Um, And I always felt like Um, Like when I first started hearing from him, I didn't know I was hearing from him. And I was like, you know, women in my Bible study, they say this stuff about, you know, God told me this or God showed me that. And I'm like, I wonder if this has anything to do with that. You know, (laughs) it's totally mystified. Didn't have a clue. I was so clueless. And uh, and then and then he started to talk to me. I was like, huh. And I would write down stuff and and then ignore it. I'm hearing from the God of the universe, and I'm ignoring. And so, honestly, after he got a hold of me, I was so repentant. I mean, I was like, "I am so sorry." Um, So, I'd say, you know, keep that channel clear, clear. You know, obviously, Um, and and just you know, trust him that that's that that's what's going on with you. Trust him, and uh, I always say that faith is not something you believe like that's your belief. You can believe a lot of things, but faith is an action. So I can say, all right, I trust that chair. That chair looks solid. That chair can take me. Did you sit on it? That's faith. I can say all that stuff about the chair. I believe all that stuff about the chair, but did I sit on it? That would be faith.
1: I love that. Because we say around here that joy is not a feeling; it's faith, and there's a choice You're to be right. made, right?
0: Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Oh. and I, I don't know, just joy. Joy should not be circumstantial. Your circumstances are immaterial when it comes to joy. That's that's not that's happiness, and that's right. kind of super you know, that's this deep, that's like a little skim of happiness and happiness breaks up really easily because it all depends on circumstances. Yeah. Joy does not depend on circumstances. Amen, um, sister. Amen. amen. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yes. (laughs) So, wow.
1: Trisha Campbell. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. The book is eight was enough. You can mm-hmm. find out more information at TrishaCampbell.com.
0: campbell.com Trisha- There's a million Campbells, so I had to use my middle initial. All
1: right, Trisha com. And mm-hmm. where can we find you on social media?
0: Um, I'm on Facebook, also Trisha K. Campbell, and I'm on Instagram as well. And um, you can find the book either at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Goodreads or BookBub or any of those places where you get a book. Um, and yeah, I'd love to hear from you too. Excellent. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. It was great.
1: Thank you for listening to Positively Joy. Please leave us a review and a ranking wherever you are listening. Special thanks to music composer Morel Sanders and to editor Susan Marie. For more podcasts, go to thejam.online to listen to Journalists Advancing Ministry, about journalists who have left media for the ministry. And go to amazon.com to read Whispering in His Ear, my book of devotions that include life lessons, prayers, and journal writing, along with multimedia songs and spoken word. For Positively Joy t-shirts and other merch, go to positivelyjoy.com and click shop.